Now in their 19th year, Fright Rags has been bringing you the best in horror apparel and accessories since 2003, offering a wide range of products for your favorite creature features, slasher flicks, and cult classics. Celebrate the end of the Michael Myers and Laurie Strode saga with an all-new collection of t-shirts for Halloween ends. All officially licensed and available now at fright-rags.com. Colors of the Dark listeners get 10% off when they use code COLORSOFDARK2022 at checkout. Tonight's show is also brought to you by Diabolic DVD. For over 20 years, Diabolic DVD has been the source for horror, cult, and weird cinema to customers around the world. Diabolic offers a one-stop shopping experience for all your favorite labels, including Cauldron Films, Arrow, Synapse, Severin, Mondo Macabro, and many more from all corners of the globe. Whether you're looking for the definitive version of Suspiria or trying to upgrade your crusty old DVD of Cannibal Holocaust, Diabolic is the owner-operated small business choice you have been craving. Shop online at DiabolicDVD.com and visit our sister store, Cauldron-Films.com. P.S. All orders are shipped in a box. So please visit www.diabolikdvd.com. Welcome to Colors of the Dark. I'm one of your hosts, Zora Kane, and joining me, as usual, is Dr. Rebecca McKendry. Yo, how's it going? Very unusual, Dr. Rebecca McKendry. Unusual for a doctor. No, I'm pretty unusual in general. I don't think many doctors uh, co-write Bring It On cheer movies. Cheer or Die, nice and well. Yeah, they just released some of the um, images from that today, and I'm super excited. That one is uh, one that I uh, co-wrote with Dana Schwartz during the pandemic, and it was awesome and so much fun. And finally, all of my years as a cheerleader had some type of payoff. Yeah, no, that's exciting. Um, I'm I'm very curious. I don't think I've seen beyond the first of that series, but I know this will be totally different. Most haven't, but there's definitely diehard fans. There's those who have seen like all of them, myself included. Like I have seen every single one up to that point. I'm uh, really excited to get to play in that world though. I remember, uh, well, without spoilers, I just remember all the different times you were trying to come up with ways to kill people. So that was a big thing. Cause I had, I, you know, I'm not, um, I'm, am a slasher person. I'm not a slasher completionist. Yeah. I'll say there's definitely, I will take a slasher over most other types of movies any day of the week, but compared to some of our guests that we've had on, um, Jeff, like Michael Kennedy, people right, yeah. like that, I'm definitely not quite that level of slasher completionist, um, to quite that degree. You don't know the difference between graduation day and final exam is what you're saying. I really don't. They're they're the same movie as far as you're concerned. I get it. But that's a Jeff Nelson thing where he could like immediately be like, oh my God. Um, And I have such mad respect for that because I'm that way with like aquatic horrors and a couple other subgenres. My nun films, I could do that with. Um, No matter how crappy they are, I can tell you exactly what's important about each of them. But yeah, with slashers, it's a little bit different, but I knew that like those kills... I wanted to be just absolutely crazy. So yeah, there were definitely, I remember texting Elric and being like, okay, if I have this, what can I do with it? Do you think? So yeah. It's a fun, it's um, a fun th- way to think. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like slashers a lot, but like they're not, it's, it's like chewing gum 
for like three days. Like it's not going to stay as good at the more you chew, right? So it's like, and slashers are very much like that. You, you'll see some excellent ones and so much fun. And then it's one of those things that even a really bad one, if it's from the eighties and it's terrible, it's still watchable. Uh, but once you go past 90s, 2000s, it stops being the case. So. See, I feel that way about the 90s neo slashers. Like, uh-huh. even if they're terrible, I can watch them. Um, some of the 80s ones for me blend together a little bit. But for me, it's always my big kind of line that I draw with slashers is always, is it fun? Like, there are definitely slashers out there that are just like downright mean. They're yeah. more kind of like, I'll say, like the mutilator um, is kind of one of them where I'm just like, this is, it's just an ugly film. Um, There's a fun. A couple that, fun know. murder set pieces, but it, it, those kind of slashers are what non people who don't like our genre, <laughs> the, the people who say, "Oh, horror films are just a bunch of people being killed." They're literally talking about the movies you're talking about, the ones that aren't yeah. good uh, that they haven't and, seen. So, you know what? I have mad respect for them. I will say, and I, you know, totally get people who, who that is their jam, yeah. and they can recite every kill in order. But yeah, those are the ones for me. Like, I can, I love slashers, but I want them to have kind of that fun tone to them, um, and I want them all to be like prom night too see i don't need fun i just need sex has to have sex if there's no sex (laughs) i do not care it's like no you have they have to be having sex for me to care about them being killed so remember i talked about wild things on deep cuts last week just go there just go there there was just so much sex in that and i've had fun um interacting with people on twitter about that one this week and like i don't know how this movie was ever made but god damn i fucking loved it no it's super fun people should and check out yeah we talked about if you haven't joined the patreon yet there's some fun deep cut lovecraft uh picks as well ones that i saw on lists that i had trouble finding and not all great but you'll also we always talk about some interesting weird stuff over there I asked a question about one at Horror Trivia this week that I had actually written the question about Dark Stranger. Oh, Dark Intruder? Dark Intruder before. I think I said Dark Stranger last week either. That's what I want it to be called. Um, I actually wrote the question about Dark Intruder before you started talking about it on the show. And the whole time I'm like... Oh God, I wrote a trivia question about that and he's going to be there two nights. And then you didn't fucking show uh, up to horror. I did trivia. it for my team. I didn't show up for my team because they won. <laughs> Had I shown up, there's a chance I could have lost and I knew this was going to happen. It was my pre-cog well, hope, trivia moment. I hope you had a lovely evening with the uh, the fams. Not so, really, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> you know, because they're always there. Uh, not to be controversial or anything. Um, but yeah, no, Tower Trivia is always fun, but I didn't make it this Always, time. always. I'll be back um, someday. But we're back again in three weeks, literally. It's wow. two and a half. It's like quick turnaround. Oh, this crazy. Month, so, yeah, well, so uh, I'm working, already working on my stuff. But yeah, let's dive some in new with stuff. Some stuff. Uh, you know, there's no bonkers movies this year, are there? Is there any new movies that you would um, describe as bonkers? Yeah, there's a couple. Okay. So, um, you know, I was just mentioning like that I absolutely loved Wild Things because it was so goddamn sleazy and I, I just miss movies like that. Um, so that brings us to Orphan First Kill. Technically Orphan 2, but it just goes Orphan First Kill. So I will predecess with I was super excited to see this movie because this was shot in Winnipeg using largely the same crew that I did and a lot of the same cast that I did um, for Elevator Game, which I just finished. Um, well, I'm in post now. We finished shooting. And um, so I was getting stories about the Orphan 2 shoot the entire time. And my cast kept telling me like, oh, God, it gets real sleazy. Oh, it gets real sleazy. I don't know how it's going to turn out. It's so sleazy. And so I went into it with all of these kind of stories of it. And oh my God, I fucking loved it. 
I'm so I this is such a you movie. movie. It's not even funny. So much. As I was watching, I was like, this is a Lifetime movie that somehow like gets a shot of adrenaline. It's like Lifetime movie, and then suddenly somebody injected crank into the middle of it, and it's oh my Lifetime god, crank movie, which is fun. Like I I was really the first forty minutes, I was like, or thirty minutes, I was like, ah, okay, it's just gonna be that fine. That's Isabel Furman's back, and we're going for it. And then Julia Stiles comes in. I'm like, wow, Julia Stiles is just playing like a mom in this movie. Like that uh-huh. seems a little like easy or generic for her and i'm not i don't want to ruin it but basically you know Furman escapes an asylum uh pretends uh, basically pretending to be which has become a bit of a trope lately because it's the also the thing of um what was the french film that won all the awards um with her she has sex with the car oh um cred yeah. anyway oh, everyone God. listening yes, knows the cronenberg and what yes. uh titan you're screaming titan. Uh, titan. Thank and, you. and and that's also based on the uh, the documentary about the missing uh, child from a few years before basically the mm-hmm. idea that you impersonate the missing child because it's a few years later and so she looks a little bit like a missing child so she's adopted in by this family and it's also at least four episodes of law and order yeah, and probably yeah, a, at least 15 lifetime it's, it's films, a pretty but, solid trope yeah. but but in this case up to then i'm like okay and julia styles is the you know grieving mom and i don't want to say what happens because once it starts turning but i will say at that point when it turns it became julia styles is just the total mvp of this movie and it is so fucking funny and crazy she has two lines i actually wrote down afterwards because i was like that's the most bonkers line of the year it was so good and it was just a lot of fun like where it went was not how i expected and i thought it was uh much more fun than i assumed it would be yeah i have to say like the first probably 25 30 minutes of this movie i was definitely like debating if i was going to make it through the whole thing because it did seem to be setting itself up exactly like the first one um where it's okay she's just with a new family now we get she's got like the hots for the dad she's you know conning all of them we get that and then 30 minute mark it was so fuck okay that's where we're going with this and it gets bonkers from there yes definitely for Um, people who like uh things like poison ivy i feel like is a good movie that you could watch with this you know i'll say wild things things, it's got that level of what the fucking shit is going on it's just twist after twist um so this one's directed by william brent bell who also did the boy which once i started thinking about it i was like yeah that was a really slick and Freaking sleazy film, The Boy was. The Boy, the boy um, was great. And if it didn't have the same twist as a better film from earlier, like that year. Yeah. From New Zealand. That, that's all I'll say in case it ruins anything. Yeah. Uh, other than that, it actually was a pretty well-made entertainment. I never saw the second one. The Boy 2, I never watched. It's okay. okay. It had some moments, but it was kind of generic. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, the doll's still creepy, so there's that. Oh, but, shit. They um, should make a yeah. film called, like, The Girl, but it should be Isabel Furman as a doll that comes to life and fucks as you up. Doll. That'd be all right. No, I have to say, I liked Orphan. I always thought Orphan was kind of a fun, sleazy movie. I think I like this one even more. I mean, Orphan's um, better made, much better thriller. Like, it's a good thriller, I think. You know? But it's not as crazy know. as this. It just has a this crazy one- I really think I liked this one more. I definitely had, um, I said, oh, out loud at least twice during this movie. And I definitely did not say that with the first one because you know where it's going. Like it shows all of its cards from the get go. Um, But this one, it was just, wow, wow. Um, 
So it is currently on Paramount Plus, and I've I've um, rather enjoyed seeing this get maligned reviews because it's um, I I talked actually at trivia about lowbrow highbrow, um, the idea of something kind of existing in both worlds simultaneously, and I as you know I love those types of movies, and this I felt like that because it does have such smart twists to it and turns, but at the same time every single um, I see so many one star reviews that are like this is fucking sleazy this is a lifetime film and i'm like yes it's deliciously wonderful of a life well, and it's funny when you call them um, smart twists because they're also dumb twists but that make them smart it's like it's like something will happen that's so stupid but you love that it's it works yeah exactly it's, it's, it's so like yeah. how is this a thing oh shit they set that up well yeah, yeah. it's just yeah um yeah i can't even call them clever it's just so but good i'll time, say good time. One of the ones that I talked about um, that I included in the trivia round on lowbrow highbrow was the perfection. And that's another one where I was like, it's so goddamn sleazy and the twists are so goddamn crazy out there that I'm just, I'm completely enraptured with this movie. Yeah, that movie took turns that you just, in a million years you couldn't predict as you're watching it. That was science sano level of twisting that I absolutely loved. Um, okay, so diving into uh, Orphan 2. Um, you know, since I've been talking about Wild Things a good bit, and I definitely um, talked about it on our Patreon episode last week, I'm going to jump in with one that was handed, Jackie handed me a DVD at Trivia, and she was like, is Elric coming? This is for him. <laughs> and I, t- you, I have Jackie. to tell you, I, am, <laughs> I immediately looked at it and I said, no, it's <laughs> not. This is for me. And it is because the movie that she was handing you is a 2018 movie called The Toy Box, which is about haunted RV. Oh, yeah, that's for you. <laughs> and that's what I said. I was like, yeah, I'll pass this to Elric, but I got to be honest. This is for me. You're my <laughs> pre-screener. Like, you, you watch it for You it. take the bullet and see what, so what comes out. Um, so I watched The Toy Box from 2018 about a haunted RV. Now, in addition to that, and this is where it gets kind of weird, is after I had just watched Wild Things last week, um, this stars a 2018 Denise Richards in it playing a mom. Oh. Um, and I was suddenly like, oh, whoa, I bet she doesn't take off her top and have a threesome in this one. But could be. I don't know. I won't blow the end. <laughs> Um, so this one, basically, you had me at Haunted RV having Denise Richards, Misha Barton, and Matt fucking Mercer in it. Matt Mercer? <laughs> Matt Mercer. You mean producer Matt Mercer? What's he doing I acting mean, in a movie? I thought he was my Matt producer. What, what the hell is he doing? Without a beard. Wow. Without a wow, beard. Matt Mercer. Um, so yeah, just from four years ago, um, this one, it's about a grandpa who buys this super 1980s RV. It's exactly what you think about when you think 1980s RV, where everything inside is really plush and shaggy and carpeted and stained and he buys this like old rv and decides that um he's gonna take his that it still barely runs but he's gonna take his adult kids um one of his son's wife who is denise richard and his grandkid cross um california from la uh to the grand canyon and so they all hop inside this total jalopy of an RV and start across the desert to um, the Grand Canyon. And then on the way, they run into a Misha Barton and a Matt Mercer who are married and their car is broken Matt gets down. to be married to Misha Barton from the OC. Are you kidding me? Right? Damn, Mercer. I, I never knew about this. This is a lost Mercer yeah. for me. This is the last Mercer wow. film. Um, and then from there, the the camper basically starts killing people. It's like a Christine, but yeah. like 
and and you find out like the backstory of the RV and what happened in it and what you know the backstory is but it basically it's like um kind of a mangler vibe where it's like a car uh, in this case an RV um possessed and then additionally people start seeing ghosts this i will say it's super low budget it borders in torture f- film but um i had fun with it i have to say this film is not going to be for everybody because it is a little bit more um of a low budget homespun but there was something quite fun about it and i had a good time and it wasn't just because matt mercer was in it um this and i apparently wasn't the only one because when i posted about it apparently it had its premiere at texas frightmare a couple of years ago and a lot of people were chiming in like this was a really fun premiere to go to um so yes haunted rv horror it's a thing and i i love it just for tackling that nice yes but i will say the one grave misconception i saw it is they are in the rv and it's riding along this old desert road. And Denise Richard is in the back cooking. And she's like chopping onions, getting things out of the cabinet, using a knife, getting things out of the fridge. And I was like, that is the one part that I was like, anyone who owns an RV knows that when that thing is in motion, you do not, if you stand up, you're like, it's like standing up in an airplane where yeah. you're like holding onto seats around you. You're not like chopping She's onions. She's cutting fingers casually. off and snapping yeah. herself. Yeah. It's, it's very much like the airplane shaving scene in uh, yeah, Airplane. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. where it would go because it is so bumpy in the back of most RVs. Um, so that was my one hiccup of like, you've never tried to cook while the RV's in motion because that's not a thing, sir. Um, but otherwise- the toy box. I have the DVD from Jackie, which I will now pass to you. And if it doesn't make it all the way here, that's okay. You okay, it found the right home. You can put it in the RV. Watch it in the RV every time. Uh, I, I think I will, actually. Good view. Um, and- I'm headed up to Big Bear this weekend to a campsite that does not have Wi-Fi. So I've already stuck a couple of horror DVDs in there, there you for go. the weekend. So. Uh, yeah, and I think you could still do a Lovecraft in an RV. Hasn't been done. You might be the right person. So single location Lovecraft, it. if you're not over that yet. Uh, I think I've done that, maybe. Kind but- of. Uh, all right, get excited. I'm not going to ruin any of this, but I have to get people excited. This is the horror film of the year so be excited this is the movie if you see one movie this year it reminded me of the event vibe you get watching the new jordan peele and so i will not spoil barbarian for you but i will put it on everyone's radar so they know to not watch too much the trailer is actually fine that's the good news i saw the trailer Mm -hmm. it's the perfect trailer because it takes you right up to where the movie changes in a way uh it's this is directed by uh, zach krieger who is from the whitest kids you know uh and which i was that not that familiar with but uh it makes oh, sense that he's a good I friend of jordan peele that show yeah it's a sketch comedy yeah. show right that probably was kind of contemporary with them yeah, yeah for some reason i missed it i had heard of it i just had never seen it um there was a couple of sketch comedy shows that were really hot around that same time like i remember there was um oh gosh i can't even remember their name now but i used to watch them perform live in new york city there was a few of them but why kids you know was on at the same time yeah i i Dame, if it's not got damon waynes i haven't seen a sketch show since then or jim carrey in uh as fire marshal bill you know that's pretty they much have not the last... been dancing for a really long hey, time they're all hour. still relevant i know you watched kids in the i did hole. watch kids i you know i watched a lot i, I like all this stuff yeah. um anyway 
all I'll say, okay, so a, a woman played by Georgina Campbell, she's really good in this. She's got an Airbnb. It's raining at night. She's had a long drive. She's there uh, in Detroit, a suburb of Detroit, a very particularly rough suburb of Detroit uh, for a, um, she's going to try to be a documentarian's assistant uh, on a job. And it's really late at night and she goes to the door and there's no key in the thing and there's no reception to get through to someone. And she rings the doorbell because she sees somebody inside and that somebody is Bill Skarsgård, which is the perfect casting because we all know him as Pennywise. Pennywise. And so when he answers the door, he's trying to be so nice and it's really fun watching him try to play nice. And they basically, the conceit of the film is they have both double booked this Airbnb uh, and they don't know what to do. And he's like, well, I mean, I guess you could stay here. And she's like, uh, if she does, she's great because she does all the right things. She has all the right paranoias, as you would. It's not one of those uh, movies where you you think she's dumb for not doing the right thing. Not then. Maybe later in the movie there'll be some yelling at screens, which I love. Uh, and the only last little hint is at some point in the night, a door opens in this uh, apartment uh, that leads somewhere. And and from there, and I think it goes up to about there in the trailer. Uh, what I will say is, I don't know if he's in the trailer, but Justin Long is in this film. And it is the performance of the year, as far as I'm concerned. It is fucking hilarious uh, it, what he gets to do in this movie. And this movie, what I'll say about it um, without any spoilers is this had the strongest Raimi vibes I've seen in a movie for a very long time and that is a very good thing uh something very missing from horror and especially remind you know a little bit like uh Raimi's comeback um drag me to hell it has mm. moments like that has just utterly cr- a couple of moments where you're just like holy like I cannot believe you're showing me that and just beautiful camera work it's just a cool fucking fun movie and I can't wait till the end of the year where we can talk about it a bit more I know we'll try to get the director on closer to the time when this comes out but yeah. Don't do any more than what I've just said or watching the start of the trailer because you don't need it. And and it's because it, because it really is. And it is the only bummer is I don't think this film will play as well at home. And it's that film every year. There's a couple films where you're like in a theater. The reactions to this are so big uh, that I think it'd be a shame not to get. I, I'll go again. I'll, I'll go with you when this hits. Theater. OK, because it's Deal. just it was just the most fun you will have in a movie theater. I'm not saying there won't be a better horror film. I can't say that unequivocally because there's already been quite a few really good ones this year. But for yeah. me, it was the most fun I had in the room, you know. And so sometimes that goes a long way, I think, uh, where sometimes I'll starve for that. And you got to see it with uh, one of our friends who I sadly missed because I was back up in Winnipeg. John, I, I was sad I didn't get to see him while he was in town. So Yes, John used to do all our graphics for all our last two iterations of our show from Killer POV to Shockwaves. Super cool guy. And it was really, it just happened that he was in town that day. So I kind of, I used that as my, well, I can come to this if I get my plus one. <laughs> oh, and uh, it was nice cool. to catch up. Yeah, that is awesome. He is such a good guy. Um, okay. Well, I am going to take us into, um, you know what, I'm going to talk about this one, even though you already did discuss it a little bit. I, I have to discuss. I finally caught up with Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Oh, yeah. I'm curious to and, hear what your thoughts. Yeah. And, you know, I when I first heard about this, saw the trailer, I was like, holy shit, I have to see this. I will be there opening day. It released while I was in Winnipeg shooting. Um, admittedly, when you're kind of helming a film, you're always really scared about bringing COVID to set. So I was really freaked out about going to a theater and potentially bringing COVID to my own set. So like basically while I was shooting, I was like locking myself down just because you're always so petrified of it. Um, So I ended up not going to see it then. So and then by the time I got back after shooting, 
I kept getting these very maligned reviews from everybody of like, yeah, it's got some stuff, but you know, and I was like, no, I don't know. Um, So finally, I decided on Sunday night of this week to um, check it out. So the setup of this is um, that it is in this future where bodies have started evolving and they evolve very rapidly where people will suddenly start developing new organs. Um, and it specifically um, focuses on most of the time these organs are reported and like tattooed and immediately removed. And there's like a government agency trying to stop human ev- evolution um, from happening so quickly because they think it's getting out of control. And then um, it specifically focuses on Viggo Mortensen and his partner in it who consider themselves artists. So they um, he grows new organs and then they remove them surgically on stage as part of this kind of weird underground art world. And so most of the movie takes place, actually all the movie takes place in this um, very peculiar underground art world where um, some of the artists even like encourage their own body modifications because they live in a world where pain is no longer a thing, um, where bacteria is no longer a thing. So people can cut them themselves and heal immediately. And because pain is no longer a thing, it's viewed as pleasure. And so like, that's one of the lines is like surgery, surgery is the new sex. Um, because that is where people are deriving pleasure from. And one of the characters, Viggo Morton, at one point says, I'm not good with old-fashioned sex. Like, that's just not how people gain pleasure anymore. Um, that's the demolition so that's man problem. The, yeah, that's kind of... <laughs> three seashells. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is our kind of entrance into the world. And then it focuses on Vigo Mortensen as he is growing this new organ and he's at the same time kind of growing weaker. Um, there's a lot of his spouse or partner as she's kind of coming on to her own and deciding that she doesn't want to just, you know, cut things out of him. She wants to perform herself. And honestly, the plot does not get much crazier than that. Like it, it has an interesting twist to it, um, which all I will say is it kind of looks at humans evolving to eat plastic. Like that's, it's not that big of a twist. It's just kind of that becomes in as a plot point. Well, the twist um, is the kind of, I don't even want to say the word, but the kind of the police angle in quote marks. Yeah. But man, does that twist not pay off. It's like- It's not, it's it not never exactly. had It never has a final thing, like a final climax. No. It's very strange, uh-uh. yeah. And for me, okay, so it was it was really cool to get kind of the grotesque Cronenberg body moments back. Yeah. I will say some of them were really digitized, mm. and you could see what they had done practical, and then where it was combined with digital. And there was a big uncanny valley, like, mm. and it was in smaller moments, like his bed um, was like a big one for me. Like you could tell some of the surgeries were more practical, but like his bed, the way that it was moving, it was just like, that's not real Cronenberg. Cronenberg is like existence where I can tell that it's like 99% practical what they're doing. Tactile. Um, tactile is important. Yeah, tactile. Yeah. It's like, tactile and goopy i thought the chair was super cool the chair chair that helps you digest but but even so you're always aware you're watching something you know you're never really getting lost in a movie you're always aware you're watching Mm -hmm. these it feels a bit like greatest hits Cronenberg set pieces almost for me a lot of it was also the environment like it was supposed to be that this is a futuristic world and they basically live in a big like polished concrete box like that's what every room of their house looks like but it made it all look like a black box theater which is really cool but it did pull me out of the movie it made the whole thing feel really performative like honestly at my 
people who've seen my movies know I set half my stuff inside like a more kind of theatrical black box setting, but it did not mesh as well with Cronenberg. And so like the chair, he's in a perfectly black concrete room with just this chair in the middle. Um, And so they go to wide shots and it just, it took me out. Like there was just no world building, like no, the production design was basically nothing. Like it was like a minimalist concrete production design. Um, so it was just a very cold world that did not have, and I'm sure that's what he was going for, but for me, it did not bring anything extra and not like some of his prior movies. Um, so yeah, there was some cool stuff to it. It was not a horror film. It was straight up like a drama that doesn't even have like a really strong plot twist or climax to it. It's just kind of like a, a, a meandering drama, a glimpse into this world that happens to have some cool surgical scenes and body moments to it. Yeah, it's body um, horror, but not horror, which is a weird thing to yeah. say, but really is body horror because it's there's even that autopsy stuff, which is really the more, probably the most interesting thing they do. Yeah. Um, so they have the horror of the body without ever you feeling the horror because it's so kind of coldly. It's, it's an interesting... It feels like an interesting capstone to his career because it kind of comes circles back, but it it doesn't feel like it made an advancement past what he was already doing in the first few years of his career. And therefore, it's felt, not, what's the yeah. point if that's the case, you know? As far as plot wise, I think that's where my hiccup was, is if I look back at things like the brood, um, Videodrome, Existence, like the plot, the fly, like the plots in those are so goddamn strong. Um, they're just strong stories. And this was just like, it was, it was a story. It just kind of, it sat there for a while. Um, I will say that also kind of um, another one of my hiccups was, you know, cool, cool concept. But, um, and I no means think that Cronenberg borrowed this, but it's the exact same plot of Tokyo Gore Police from 2008. Right, right, which is much- um, Wild, yeah. Which is wild. I mean, that one has a plot. Tokyo Gore Police, same thing. Society has evolved to a point where they can make new organs. There's a police department, the Tokyo Gore Police, who have been instated to control it. Some people are using it to make weapons, but it also spends just as much time exploring the people who allow their bodies to evolve for art. And so it's kind of like... um, this is the uh, like the more criterion version of the world that was Tokyo Gore. But the irony there is that Tokyo Gore Police is completely ripping off Cronenberg, and they're doing a better job of it than Cronenberg is I, of ripping off himself. Because it's totally which true. Is interesting, like that's the entertaining ripoff, and his is the kind of muted, uh, you know, older old man movie. But you know, it, it, he is making another movie straight on the heels of this, and it probably helped yeah. working with. I thought Kristen Stewart was actually pretty fun in her quirky little role. She was. You know, it was just she a strange was small role. in it, but I like. Yeah, it was a little um, more playful, but um, yeah, it was yeah. just a little flat. I was a little tired when I watched it, um, and I liked it, but I didn't. It, my my the one thing I said straight after is like my pulse never moved. Yep. It was like one yep. one note the entire film. I didn't feel anything beyond that, and that's not great. So um, yeah, so it was it was okay. Okay. Well, I really wanted something bigger. Hey, it's better than his Hollywood film that he made about Hollywood, whatever the hell that movie was called. It's still the worst of his career. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Burn Hollywood. I can't even remember. Um, I didn't even see that. Yeah, one. it's it's got a great cast, and it's just a movie that does not work. It's got the fakest fire I've ever seen in a film, a digital effect. But everyone's in it, like Robert Pattinson and uh, mm. just everyone, Julianne Moore, and it's um, it was based on a Hollywood graphic novel. I cannot remember the name. Um, but anyway. It's watchable, but not. It doesn't feel very Cronenberg. Okay, so I saw one on Shutter that's actually a really, really solid film. Much more of a dark drama, but it's you know horror as well elements. And this is uh, getting 
really good reviews too overall uh, what josiah saw uh this is by director vincent granshaw and this starts off with a uh a kind of slower son who's been, you know stayed on the local farm and his father who's probably abusive played by robert patrick and pretty intense uh they are the ones who kind of stay behind whereas a daughter and their other son have kind of moved off uh, off the land there's a dark family secret and they want to bring the rest of the family back to the farmhouse and at the same time an oil company wants to buy their property so they're going to use those letters that everyone's going to get that they need to sign to get everyone back so they can have a kind of uh, family get together to deal with these very dark family secrets that's kind of the the impetus the first 10 minutes i with that character i was like okay i've seen this a million times the rob patrick stuff at the start but then it cuts to who i still maintain all these years later is the best actor of his generation uh and that's nick stall uh, you know outside of the you know personal drug problems he had uh, over the last few years this guy is just he's a force of nature as a young actor um from in the bedroom and bully and uh playing mm-hmm. that yellow bastard and since he to me really was the best actor going and he comes back in the last couple of things he's been in he's been equally great so um he's really good in this he comes in as a total fuck up living in a trailer middle of nowhere he is not a good guy like he's not a good guy he's definitely a fuck up who gets himself in a lot of problems um the local thug that he owes a ton of money to says tells him this uh gypsy st- a story about gypsies who stole this jewish gold I- I don't know if that word's appropriate. Oh, no, they call anymore, them. No, 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 they're called gypsies oh, okay. all the way through the film. The movie. Yeah, they're all. You know, gonna... they call themselves the gypsies all the way through the film. Um, so if it, it's not my problem, if it's not, it's uh, talk to the director. Uh, but yeah, no, no, they, it's a it's a actual group of gypsies who are going into carnivals and uh, they've stolen. There's a lot of un-PC stuff within that because there's a flashback about a story about how uh, gold from the Holocaust. Uh, like, like, like from Jewish death that they have stolen this gold that's got basically got a curse on it. And oh, this sounds this sounds all over the yeah, place. Yeah, and they move from town. They, the gypsies have been uh, like have to protect it, and so this guy's like, you go with these two thugs, you'll pay back your debt if you can get this gold. And that's the best part. The best part of the film is the like thirty minute or twenty minute sequence where Nick Stahl goes with these people into the situation that is just it's really tense, really violent, bonkers. It has a bit of a drag me to hell moment with you know the older woman and giving like looking at his palm and giving him a bit of uh, a reading and and stuff like that but it, it's done in a way that halfway through it i was like oh i forgot the other reason i love nick stall all these years is because he was also the star of one of my favorite canceled show carnival and so it was weird to suddenly yep. see him back at a carnival but on the other side on the side he's trying to survive uh things go haywire uh there's violence and lots of death uh, he gets out of the situation. He reunites with his sister and they go back to the farmhouse and things get dark. It is a very dark film. Uh, there isn't yeah. much left uncovered, but it's straight. It's a very serious dark drama horror film so it's not the jokey camp it's none of that and uh i i really liked it i gotta say it's two hours and that put me off watching it for quite a long time like 120 minutes and for you know when you're looking on shutter for something of, of, often it's like oh, i was saying 90 minutes easy it, it didn't feel that long once i was in it i was totally in it and like i say i still think nick stall's uh fantastic and and he's really it's nice to see him kind of clawing his way back in these um mm-hmm. horror films and dramas so i do recommend this one pretty highly 
I, you know, I had a lot of my students telling me that they really enjoyed this one. Um, and I've been seeing a lot of action about it on socials as well. So I had it on my list and we'll have to get to it. And just because I was curious, the appropriate word now is Roma. Hmm. Um, so yeah. It doesn't sound, so, I doubt for like, if maybe if it's a period piece though, like if it's set in the eighties and everyone's calling gypsy, it'd be weird to like say that, you know, even if it's politically correct, that would be weird. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but that is interesting. Uh, again, this is definitely not as cheesy as like thinner or something something like that yeah <laughs> it's not that kind of but that is interesting or though. even drag me to hell yeah. i think definitely is more of that stereotypical yeah. um but okay so i'm gonna talk about my shutter exclusive that i also thought was just top notch like shutter you can't talk about glorious like this does this go on the oh nose? come on i'm doing People it i'm sick of it come on it's been a week you can't go a whole week i know i know no, um, and this is one that it had released around the same time as us that I'd really been wanting to see. And I'm probably going to say this wrong. Moloch? Mm. Moloch? Moloch? Moloch, maybe? Um, M-O-L-O-C-H. I would say Moloch um, if that was me. Moloch. Let's go with that. So this is about um, a family that lives at the edge of a peat moss bog, a peat bog in Netherlands, up in the very cold, I have to assume, super north area of Netherlands because it looks really cold. There's even a scene where two people have sex outside and they keep their like winter jackets on. And I was suddenly like, that sounds really unpleasant. Like it was just, you could see their breath. It was just like very cold sex outside. Um, But that's not what the movie's about. That was just a point where I was like, huh, so that's how you do it if you choose to have sex outside in the middle of the Netherlands. Um, So it is a family that lives in this very rural house right next to this peat bog in the Netherlands. And all of a sudden, one night, the family is attacked by this random person who comes inside. And there's been, there was one death earlier where this guy that they refer to as the bag man in the movie, um, he's just a homeless man, um, was digging in the peat moss bog. You never really know what he was digging for. And all of a sudden, he's attacked and killed. And then a couple of days later, this stranger wanders into their home and tries to kill them, tries to kill the family. And they attack back. And then suddenly there starts to be all these deaths surrounding this area. And then in the same area, there's this scientist who is doing research into the bog itself who unearths a bog lady, somebody who had apparently fallen into the bog thousands upon thousands of years ago and is basically kind of mummified by the bog, like is frozen in time. And while they are doing kind of autopsies on her body and uncovering all this stuff, all of these other weird deaths start happening around the town. This is a real slow burn, by the way. Don't think that it's like, you know, kind of like, oh, and this thing happened and then wham, there's a death. It's a real sm- slow burn, basically focusing on the family um, and specifically the the daughter of the family and her son. And so um, as we see this local dig team unearthing stuff from the bog, more people start going missing. And then we get this local legend that they're actually performing as a school play that she's like working on this school play where they're performing this local legend about a girl who was accused of witchcraft and sentenced to death. And then it becomes kind of like, you know, how is this connected to all the stuff that we've been pulling out of the bog? Is the legend real? And then it kind of goes from there. Um, This was really slow burn for about the first 50 minutes. And then the last like third act got really freaking bonkers. I was not expecting it to go where it went. There was definitely a couple of scenes in the final like 15 minutes of the movie where I gasped. Um, But this was, I mean, don't go in expecting it to be like, you know, total just 
chaos or mayhem or anything like that. It's slow burn for 50 minutes and then it explodes in the last third act. But it was a lot of fun. Um, And I really liked it. And it was kind of a, um, which is what I'm always looking for, a horror story I had not heard before um, about this region. I don't know a lot of Netherlands horror, admittedly, um, and kind of the folk story and how these bog bodies are recovered. Apparently, you know, it's kind of a a prized thing for scientists to find. It's like the mummies, but in these bogs. And um, so, yeah, and then they, because they're so well-preserved, they can tell a lot about the time period and how the person was killed and things like that. Um, So, yeah, it was just a really cool approach and a story I hadn't heard before. So that was Moloch. Okay, I like this bog woman idea. This is interesting. Um, yeah, bog woman. Bog woman. I'm fun. into it. All right, real quick one. I've got two: one old one and one new TV show. The TV show I did want to recommend. It's a six episode show, so it's already done uh, for Mindhunter fans, especially because there's no more Mindhunter right now. Blackbird is a Dennis Lehane adaptation on Apple TV, and this has Ray Liotta as a dad. It's the last thing Ray Liotta did uh, or will be able to do. Uh, and this is about a young guy, Taron Egerton. I'm, I've never seen. That, that series um what is the gentleman's club movie <laughs> the, the, the thing with colin colin uh firth and they are all distinguished gentlemen and they're like superheroes like james bond and it's like a whole series the league yes. of distinguished gentlemen is that what it's called i don't uh, the league of extraordinary no no, gentlemen? no that's no uh, yeah. this is the more popular uh-uh. this is the very popular nope. series <laughs> Uh, I know the comic oh, okay. book. Um, no, I don't know this. No, movie. this is a series. Uh, it's totally escaping. Man, I'm, I'm googling. I'm googling. It's, it's the most. Po- it's like that. literally. There's been two films, and they're like the Harry Potter of that kind of thing. Anyway, the guy's name is Taron Egerton, and he's the star of that series. So I'd never really seen him before. He also played um, Elton John, and maybe even won the Oscar for doing that, or got nominated. Um, he's this buff, uh, young, very cool, out of, out of school uh, drug dealer that all his friends love. He's very charismatic, very cool guy. Uh, he gets caught and sentenced what is meant to be a couple years that he'd get off for a very soft, because it's all pretty minor stuff, gun running and, and drugs in the 80s. And instead, he gets screwed by one of the judges and they give him 10 years. So he And it's purposeful that they do this because they then come to him in jail and say, hey, if it's a really fun concept. They say, if, and it's based on a true story, if you're willing to transfer to a maximum security, very dangerous prison, and befriend this guy that we believe is a serial killer, uh, played by Paul Walter Hauser, who uh, we all know from like I, Tanya and uh, the Cobra Kai show. He's a wild dude. You know, Kingsman? Kingsman, yeah, that show. The movie. <laughs> they're huge. I just have never seen them. I'm sorry. As soon as I read it, I was like, oh, those. Yeah, yeah, they're I've they're big. They're big. Either. I think I was close by saying Harry Potter and James Bond or something. But anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, Paul Walter Hauser is amazing in this, playing the serial killer. You know him from a ton of things. Uh, he's a big guy. He's got this, his eyes go off funny in this, in this, like playing this character. And he is what they call a serial confessor. So he's constantly going to the police, confessing to the most crazy things that are real crimes, but they never put them away because they don't take them seriously. But of course, you know, Greg Kinnear's playing a legal guy. He's like, no, no, he is the killer. And we know it because he actually let slip once one of the details that he shouldn't have known, but no one will put this guy away. Anyway, this guy's being held. And if he does, if they don't find a body or get a hard confession, he's going to walk probably on a ne- his next field. So basically, this guy, Taron Egerton, who's in for something very light, to get out early, basically, he's got this one chance, which is to transfer and try to befriend this really 
quite disgusting person. Uh, and he does. And it's really freaking engaging. Like, it's only six episodes. And after one, I was like, yep, totally hooked. I need to see how this plays out between them. Because the guy's performance is so weird. And there are moments where you doubt, like, maybe he isn't. I don't know. He's, he's definitely gross. The way he talks about girls is very dangerous. The way he, you know, just even the way he thinks. But whether he's the actual killer, it makes it a little hard to tell at times. It is, it's really well done. I got to say, I was super impressed by this series. And sometimes if you're just looking for, like, a show that's not going to just keep going forever. You know, this is six episodes done. Uh, and that is all up on Apple TV now. That's Blackbird. Ooh, okay. Um, so I will, oh, wait. I have I have our two that are our segue. Oh, Did yeah, wait. Yeah, let's wait for them. Because I want to segue them with a couple other things too. But yeah, okay. So my last thing, I am going to mention one old film here. I was going to keep it for deep cuts, but it's a big blind spot for me. I realized I don't have... I don't think I have any more blind spots when it comes to there's a lot of movies I still haven't seen, but when it comes to massive, not massive, major horror franchises and whatnot, right? I feel like I've seen almost everything. There's one I had never seen and always wanted to. And then finally it was coming. Uh, they're all coming on Blu-ray uh, and I'll save the follow-ups for deep cuts. But the first one, and, and I'm going to say this name and you and me are the only people who'd call this a massive franchise, but that is the tombs of the blind dead movie. <laughs> oh, that's a total massive yeah. franchise. I mean, Alric. I mean, it stands up there with Freddy yeah, Krueger. But to me, because there's multiple <laughs> of them, it's a, and, <laughs> they're good. and I'd never seen them. And I knew I would like them because they're, oh, it's very Fulci-esque. Uh, mm-hmm. This is, uh, so I'd been waiting for quite a while actually to see this one. And uh, this Amando Diasario directs the four, of them that exist and I'm going to watch them all. Um, but this one was a blind spot. So I was like, Oh cool. So I thought I'd mention here. There's not much to say really, uh, because it is, it's got a Fulci vibe, not much happens, but the backstory is actually really cool because it's about a bunch of medieval knights. This is in Spain. A bunch of middle medieval knights were executed uh, for practicing black magic. And they actually would even like drink the blood of their victim all as a group and like mm-hmm. live while the person's still alive. Um, and so they're all put to death back in the day. And they, when a young backpacker stumbles upon the, the ruins of the temple, they come back to life. And what's so cool is it's zombies with horses and swords and so they're like Fulci-esque zombies but doing this kind of wild you know stunt work on horses and stuff and I just found the whole thing it's not amazing but I found the whole thing like oh this is pretty cool and I haven't quite seen this vibe uh, before so I got pretty I got I got into it so I will definitely watch the next three over the next couple weeks and see I've heard one of them is really good and I've heard one is particularly bad so we'll see which is which uh, I think Ghost Galleon somebody told me is terrible but mm-hmm. we'll see uh, I will dive I want to see the seagulls one and I don't know we'll see there was a beautiful box set of these that came out probably 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably a little hard to find now, but it was an absolutely gorgeous box set. Um, and I think I only ended up watching two of them, but they were both pretty well made. I mean, I found it to be chilling. They're a little rapey as far as like zombie blind nights go. Um, I don't know if on the first one might, they do that, then maybe there's something. Gro- that comes up in the second, oh, okay. I think. Yeah, they definitely get a little bit more gropey in the second if memory serves. But yeah, it's been 15 years since I've It makes sense them, for but- a sequel. They have to up it. Uh, I will say the blind yeah. part is very cool. The blind dead part, uh, because in the when they were executed as the medieval knights, they are then like put out and I guess it's crows would peck out their, their eyes. Their eyes were pecked out by crows. And that part's yeah. really, that again, it makes it interesting because it also means they didn't get into it very well in the first one. There's one moment where I think the person works out, oh, they can't see me. 
and they're just hearing me so I can just be quiet. And it could have been done a little, you know, it should become the main conceit of the film, but it is only kind of uh, half touched on. But anyway, yeah. The quiet ones yeah. of zombie It films. was. But yeah. but for me, it was a big one. So Chucky fans, this is your next franchise. You had Chucky, you did Freddy. Now get in for this uh, Knights <laughs> of the Templar. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Yeah, you know. Glad I could uh, pull that in. Um, but yeah, well, let me kick off the, this only for the sense because we talked about all the Cosmic Horror. Uh, and then we'll take a qu- we'll take our quick break. Uh, we talked about a lot of Cosmic Car, and I think that got me thinking about all the weird creatures that pop up in that and that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. and then out of the blue popped up a double feature at the New Bev uh, that was you know a pretty fascinating one, which was a double feature of The Keep with Michael Mann's much maligned um, and infamously cut uh, movie, which no, I, infamously cut his original one was like two hundred minutes, two ten down like- to ninety six is a big. Yeah, it should be. Cut. Yeah, but 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 cut. when you cut it arbitrarily, it's how it feels. That's always the problem. So, uh, but it was a big deal and uh, very hard to see a good copy of this. I've only seen on VHS, and that's why I wanted to see it in a theater. And then, uh, what was always one of my favorite monster movies ever, uh, The Relic, uh, which I saw in theaters in '97 or whatever. And so those were the two that we were going to kind of jump in on, and it kind of led us to going, well, let's talk some uh, some of our favorite non-universal classic creature movies which we'll get to in a second all right well so we were talking about some pretty cool double feature here uh michael mann's the keep you know michael mann was coming off this perfect literally a perfect uh small directorial debut called thief and it's a very strange leap to go to the keep a uh, very big World War II uh, opening scene is like sorcerer, uh, you know, uh, golem, but it's not yeah. golem. It's like its own version of a. It's like its own thing. And the way once I started researching this, apparently it was originally supposed to be like this massive historical like World War epic story. Um, very much think like Saving Private Ryan or, you know, something massive like that. Um, but it ended up getting kind of turned into this weird horror film. Apparently also it was a heavily troubled production. Like, and I can't say that um, from everything I read, it sounded like a lot of it was man changing his mind. Yeah. Like they would build a set and he would go, this and then they would tear it all down and then he would tell somebody one thing and then somebody a different thing and apparently there was a lot of confusion on set so much so that the dp quit and um apparently um it was supposed to take like like a like a 10 week shoot and it ended up taking over 25 like it was just a very yeah i do know the dp went on to another job i don't know if he quit or had to like the timing went so long mm-hmm. he had to leave, but he wasn't there for a lot of it. And he's a great DP. So the stuff he shoots looks great. And some of the other stuff looks a little flatter inside, like the inside stuff. Uh, I, I think the and biggest thing is the effects guy died, died as midway, soon as they finished yeah. the shoot. So couldn't do all the post. In other words, couldn't complete the effects as envisioned, yeah. which is definitely a problem, obviously. Uh, and, and, but you know what, that's the one thing I will say is and it had me thinking because I have watched the, um, American cut a couple years ago for the first time of possession. And it really reminds me of what happened to that movie because this is a 96 minute movie, but I'm not saying 210 could have ever happened, but 
Michael Mann delivered a 210 minute movie that they cut, not he cut down to mm-hmm. 96 and watching it in the theater. It has all these really cool sequences. The start's really cool. It's great. And then the further, bless you, excuse me, the further it goes, what happens is you'll meet a character like we'll go to a concentration camp. Here's Ian McKellen. And the next scene, he is already with all the other characters in the, in the keep. And you're like, completely it yeah. feels like 20 minutes is missing. Every time you enter a scene, it feels like literally it's it, like, boom, highlight reel, highlight reel. Which it is time jumps. Weird. It yeah. really time jumps. Yeah. And that's it's, how that version of possession feels. It doesn't work. And so it's hard for me to go, is it just the movie or is there a version of this that I would have watched and gone, oh, that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's hard watching in the theater this time. I liked it. I definitely mm-hmm. don't love it. And I think there's a lot of things about it, including this evil golem thing creature, which is really cool. But as soon as it starts talking... You're like that's huh? where it loses me. So that is yeah. um Radu Molasar, uh, um, who is this evil entity that has been trapped in the keep, and as soon as the Nazis open it up, he slowly starts becoming corporeal. Yeah. And at first it's just this kind of roving entity killing people. And like the first kill is awesome. It's like, oh, what is this? He's like light and, and there's smoke. things coming yeah. out of his eyes and smoke. And then by the time he shows up and starts like wagering deals with the characters and like, okay, let's barter. It, it um, feels like if you're going to have an ancient, because he, he, I think he looks like a golem on purpose, but that's what's yeah. interesting in the film is, is he good or bad? And he makes promises uh, to the Jewish character being Ian McClellan, like, if you let me out, I will save your people. And so obviously that's very appealing in the middle of World War II. So I think that the concept's really interesting. It, it, I kept thinking it would be a cool double uh, with, um, what's that one? Overlord? Yeah, Overlord. The, mm-hmm that world war ii film which was a lot of fun too um and but but you're right like if you see a creature like that as ancient and it starts talking if it was in subtitles and if it was speaking like a dead language or Latin, it would yeah, totally work something. but because he's just like speaking this it, it just felt like huh um, yeah it's very yeah. much just like a guy talking yeah. now it it definitely uh makes it a little wonky and i still have to say for at 96 minutes and i i like this movie i've always been kind of a champion of yeah. it it was it was hard to find for a long time but for 96 minutes this feels still feels real dry yeah. um like you know if you cut a two ten movie down to 96 minutes it should just feel like boom Boom, boom, boom. It should, like it but you know, that's the sense. controversial thing about pacing, yeah. I always think, is that when you cut it wrong, yes, yeah. yes, you should be able to cut a good movie at 96 minutes, but cut it wrong and it can feel monotonous and boring. And maybe the 210 would fly by if it was good. Yeah. And that's what I guess because, we'll probably never know. <laughs> you yeah, know. you lose a lot of the, um, the texture, the connectivity. And so essentially, it's constantly pulling you back out. It's like Elric said, where like the characters seem to teleport and it seems like these massive time jumps throughout. And because of that, you're never fully engaged in it. And I do question if there was another version where if you were engaged, it would not seem quite so much of a slog. With characters, because once you're engaged with characters, you'll watch anything for as long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will say what's so funny about what was cut out is uh, get into the middle of the movie. It's only 96 minutes, but we still have 12 minutes for the sex scene. I mean, we're all watching it going, wow, it, that sex scene was kind of like a wrestling show, the way that mm-hmm. he's got a finishing move and everything. Anyway, it is a... F- interesting movie i wouldn't say it's fun it's got some really has got some cool effects of the creature and that's definitely kind of got this going but it's heavily flawed 
Uh, I know Michael Mann is kind of denounces it himself, so it's not high on his. He after this he went to my, found Miami Vice and then became the Michael Mann we know. Um, yeah. This is very different from all this stuff. But this has great cast: Jurgen Pershnow's in there, Gabriel Byrne, Ian McKellen, all these people. You know, doing interesting work, but. It, it's a weird one, and it kind of played a little. I mean, the good thing about seeing it on a theater, though, if it ever plays in your town, is you get to see it in the widescreen, which is how yeah. it's shot, and the, all the home releases are kind of a little truncated. So, um, definitely worth it on that level. But man, it, what yeah. if my one of my interesting moments with this film is while I was watching it, I decided to pull up the Wikipedia page because I wanted to learn, like you know, about the production mm-hmm. and everything like that, and the reception and everything. Whoever wrote the Wikipedia write-up on this movie is obsessed with World War paraphernalia. And so it's very much like, and then he pulls up on a G597 Mercedes thing and carrying a, and it details all the weapons. It details all the cars, like to the point where that almost becomes the focus of it, of the Wikipedia write-up. And I was like, wow, if I was doing a synopsis of the movie, I would have included none of this. But in this Wikipedia write-up for The Keep, that is the central focus is what type of artillery they're using, what type of um, you know cars they're driving in and motorcycles and everything interesting. like that. It's pretty interesting. I do think there's a um, movie to be, I mean, I don't know, I haven't read the book, but I do think if like the Overlord director was remaking this and in that vein, I'm like, oh, cool. I would watch yeah. it. I'm sure there's uh, still a good version that could be uh, done from that material, but uh, but it's don't yeah. let the golem talk. Yeah, yeah, or whatever it is. They never call it a golem, so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe it's to appear like a golem on purpose, so people believe in it. But then to take a turn, it, it, it it's nefarious, whatever it is. Yeah, nefarious. Uh, it's a perfect tee up for a much more fun. Uh, couldn't play more gangbusters in a theater movie, which is. Uh, I think it's the my favorite. Yeah, the relic. I think it's my favorite post aliens monster movie. Now that I've seen oh, it again, you know, I think it is. I was thinking about this, and I mean, obviously, I have like Deep Rising. Mimic was around the same time period. Like we just had some. I think I'm going to talk about that one in a second too. Into that, yeah. um, but there's like some really, really tight. Like that was my jam. Was like '90s, you know, horror. It's it's hit or miss. I always found it to be great. But what I loved about the '90s was it was going to be some giant fucking monster, and it was going to be action, solid action. And I miss those movies so much. Yeah, they and that's what the made. relic was. Yeah. It's like giant fucking lizard god Cathoga thing ripping up the Chicago Science Museum. Well, and it's um, and it's like really well. Uh, like the the script is tight. The characters are all excellent. Like even the throwaway mm-hmm. mayors and stuff have good lines. There, everyone's well done. Uh, Tom Sizemore is like the best he's ever been in this. He's like really likable and watchable. Often he's unlikable yeah. in movies. Uh, and the monster's awesome. But the thing is, Peter Himes' direction is so tight in this movie. It's I honestly think it's one of the better directed movies I've seen in a while. And he's also the DP. And it's like when people watch this at home, it's almost too dark to watch. But when you watch in the theater, the way it was made, it looks amazing because he's so much low level lit, lit scenes like in real darkness with just like flashlights and stuff uh it, there's it's a just scene great. what's lit by fire where she's like mixing chemicals to make her own little like molotov cocktails yeah. and hurling them at the monster and it's like lit by flame it's so cool i do not know how you direct and dp simultaneously well especially something like, as big as this like where i would have an aneurysm yeah. like i just be i die on the first i'd go like total coppola like apocalypse now yeah. on the first and day. even he That's, had a dp yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> but, but no, Peter Himes is a, is a rare is a rare one for sure. Stan Winston mon- monster. But like everyone, I went, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to hold up like on a big screen. I, honestly, it's the best thing I've seen on a screen this year of any movie. And, wow. and and that's just I think part of it is because these kinds of movies we don't really get to see that way anymore with a crowd, mm-hmm. and so it just played so well. Um, but what it did, and I'll just mention these two real quick because you just brought both of them up, is it made me go home and go, okay, I loved seeing that again. I didn't love Mimic in theaters. And so I, did. I, I figured you would because the bug. And and so it's it's bugs. And it's very yeah. seven, but a bug movie, and it's Guillermo del Toro. I remember thinking it was fine. And so I watched the two nights ago, I came home and I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch there's two movies I wanted to revisit. And I'd seen all these in so Relic's like ninety six, ninety seven, Mimic's the mm-hmm. same time. Uh, I watched the director's cut. I'm not sure how different it is, but if this is the Del Toro director's cut, so probably not what I saw in, in the cinema. Um, and there's a lot I liked about this. The Rob Botin designed creature is awesome. It has a mm-hmm. dual face, like literally a mimic. Mr. Shiny's shoes. Yeah, and it splits in half, and it looks really creepy, that stuff. And you think you're watching an actual man the whole, most of this movie. It's a bug plague is gone in New York. It's kind of That's the weird thing that threw me. It's a little sci-fi because when it opens, you're already kind of in the alternate future just a little bit. Yeah. Like there's been a plague. It was very much like this particular thing, this plague was killing kids, but it was being carried by cockroaches. So they created this extra bug, the Judas bug to kill the cockroaches, therefore ending the plague. And then they kind of grows. Judas bug went away. Yeah. And so the biggest issue is, I think it's, I think it's really well directed and I think it's fun to watch because it's a little more, it's a straight, like where the relic and deep rising are fun because they also are in on the joke. Mimic has no joke. There's nothing, mm-hmm. not even a beat of it is light. Uh, what, what, and so I think it's interesting, especially in the wake of seven in that vein, it works kind of as the monster movie version of that. What doesn't work compared to the other ones and the next one, especially that I'll talk about is the cast is, it's just not been cast right. It's like Mira Savino as a scientist does not work at all. And Jeremy Northam as the love interest is just dry British guy. I just found the two leads so boring that compared to the relic where I'm like, Oh, these are so fun and they have such good Penelope um, yes oh gosh uh, just, what's her name I know I've been talking about it for a couple of days and now it's gone out of my yeah. but she's no, l- Penelope is great yeah, yeah. she's really she's phenomenal in it so I like this movie and but I was like when it ended I was like yeah it's still good still fun and I'm glad I revisited but it didn't like get me excited it was like it had a few really cool scenes with the bug the subway yes. scene with the, the having to rub the pheromones on the window I remember yeah. finding really good and, yeah. and this has a, a big cast that keeps kind of keeps taking you away from the central characters which which is also mm-hmm. sometimes a problem, but I thought it was good. The one that I wasn't expecting to think was like a total, uh, you know, bases loaded home run. I have, and you'll laugh because you've seen this m- way more than I have. I hadn't seen Lake Placid since it came out. So fucking this, good. This I'm so glad. Basically you a masterpiece. Right? I mean, I still think the relic's more my bag because it's more of a monster movie, but Lake Placid is Steve Miner, who I always think is just deeply underrated in the hard space. This is 99, so it's a couple years later. It has the most perfect cast. The script the writing, is The script is hilarious. so good. I watched this last it night. So I laughed out loud about 10 times by myself. Bill Pullman, when he was at it's his hottest. All, Bridget Fonda at her hottest. Oliver Platt at his craziest. Oliver Platt yeah. in his snark. It's all of the good lines go to Oliver Or Brendan Gleeson. He's like, yeah. you know, well, how do you know that? Well, they store that information in books, so clearly you wouldn't yeah. know. It's just like, and they're, it's all said with such sharp snark yeah, no, the whole is thing is so funny and betty white and betty white is really outrageous no what's cool i had memories but i remembered it as a more straight 
like anaconda riff versus what this is very different. Yeah. This is a this is a crackling comedy that just happens to also yeah. have horror beats that are really good. I also had memories of really bad CGI. No bad CGI. Uh-uh. It's the opposite of that. It's like really cool stuff. It's a practical yeah. gator, if I so remember. So this was correctly. like a complete joyful rewatch. Also super short. It was like, you know, 80 minutes. And so I think the best double feature now is definitely the relic and like plastic, because you get the flat comedy, flat out comedy, and then the crazy monster movie. But honestly, that that one really impressed me and it's fun i mean i know i'd like i like species a lot too and i think it falls into that category a little less fun um in in some ways but it is it does make you a little sad that we don't you know i think that's why we got so excited with underwater because it felt a little bit more in this vein it was a little more serious but it was a big movie with big effects and big monsters and a big ensemble cast you know no, that is that is a hard sell right now. Yeah. Even if you are doing what they consider like a big monster movie now, it's going to be something like a crawl or predator prey, still, like which is a yeah, very small version of a very very big contained. Thing, yeah. Um, yeah, you just don't get those like you know the massive, massive. You know, we're going to keep expanding the world, the Lord of the Rings style, like which they're you know throwing a billion dollars at. Such now. a stupid idea to put that we much don't... money. Even if it's great, it's just dumb to put that much money into anything. In my opinion, it's like come on. I I feel the same but that's i i was my students were very much like oh, that's amazing and i was like i don't know Unless what if it, it doesn't do well out terribly <laughs> yes. like look at the new game of thrones it has been so kind of you know just eh, i, I thought the second it. episode i enjoyed the first one i was like uh, uh, and then the second one i got I into see, it so. i gotta keep going because yeah. i only watched the first one and i was like because eh. to be honest if you had asked me at the tail end of game of thrones which one of these kind of groups of people I would want to continue with the dragon people were probably not the top of my list. Like I wanted to keep going with Arya Stark into the, wherever, yeah. you know, the winds may take us. Well, I guess because this is a prequel is why, they, yeah. but you're right. They, they, yes. I would have watched that too. Uh, but no, it did. It started to get more sorted and that's, and that political mm-hmm. stuff started. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I think, but I know what you're saying. And I think fantasy, you know, some people love fantasy. And, you know, especially after Lord of the Rings, that's when it really kicked off another wave of fantasy lovers. I'll never be quite in that camp. I'm always a horror before I've been a fantasy person. Like, Krull is my favorite fantasy movie. And that's definitely more of a horror (laughs) film. You know what I mean? Even not in 3D, it still seems like it's the third dimension. Krull is my favorite favorite fantasy film. I would take that over Lord of the Rings any day. Uh, It's the greatest. Um, It has a Cyclops. It has that weird brown monster guy. It has the witch guy. The sorcerer gets black eyes in one. It has the spider lady. Come on. I like crawl over Lord of the Rings. Big time. That's like, put that on my tombstone. That is such a huge quote. It is. Uh, I turned my back on my New Zealand residency for crawl. Uh, Anyway, all of that's a segue. We haven't even gotten to the topic. That is what teed up our okay. topic. Yeah, that's teed up our topic to say we are going to be counting down um, five of our fave creature features each. But what we're specifically looking for is we didn't want to hit the big ones. We didn't want to come at this with like the Godzilla or the Jaws. Or even the, or even um, the obvious, like the thing, yeah. the things that we all, yeah. you, you know, again, wh- whether these are our favorites or ones we just want to mention, we don't have to go deep into these. It's also just to put some of these mm-hmm. movies back on your radar. But it, yep. it is when you watch creature design, even watching Predator Prey was fun because you're watching it in a different environment. So it's a creature, you know, well in a different challenge, you know, the bear scene was pretty awesome. Um, yes. So anyway, uh, that's what we're going to do. I, I, we both love monsters. I think that's one, one subgenre we cross over. We both love crazy 
creature things. Mayhem monsters. Yeah, because, you know, you're always, especially things in the 80s and things where they got to push the envelope. But, um, you know, you were saying, and, and before we jump into our list, I have to give some props to the new Rampage movie, um, which I don't think vi- got That was the video game, from. arcade game. I used to play the game. With The Rock, I never yeah. Saw the, movie. the movie, surprisingly fun. Huh. It knew what it was and it went for it and it feels very much like a throwback 90s monster mayhem movie um, where things just keep getting bigger. It's not one of my five, but now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, like that is probably the closest thing I think we got to that massive 90s scale of just bonkers, you know, blowing up buildings. Probably if it wasn't The Rock, I probably would have seen it. Not because I don't like him, but because it always feels, I feel like when I see The Rock's in something, I feel I've already seen it from the trailer every time. Oh, I I like him. I just know I'm always like, oh, okay, I've seen that film now that I've seen the trailer. What was the one? Oh God! I, he did my favorite destruction the movie San from Andreas? a couple of years ago. The San Andreas. I love that movie. I saw it because and, I've seen the trailer. I felt like I saw and, everything. No, it's actually a really good movie. Okay. And then even like last year around Christmas time, on um, the new Disney uh, cruise, Jungle Book? Um, Jungle the Jungle cruise. cruise came out. It's it's a rock being rock, uh-huh. but it's surprisingly. I, I like him. I definitely like. It him. had zombies in it. There was a lot of zombies. Okay. In it. Um, All right. So. Yeah. Uh, yes. Killer bees. There were killer bees. Okay. So, well, we will um, we will do this kind of rapid, you know, because we have five each. We'll kind of do a little more uh, fast yeah. pace. Uh, I, I. What's weird is like the top three of mine. I, I like. I didn't think about it when I was making lists, and I realized they all are kind of similar. And I realized maybe I've got a type. Maybe this is like a dating type. I've got my monster type. I realized uh, when we get to the top ones. But uh, do you want to kick it off? I'm going to kick it off. I am going to kick it off with an old school one oh, cool. um, that I've always been kind of enamored with this film. Um, Justin Beam, um, who's a horror journalist writer, uh, turned me on to this a long time ago, back when we were both like starting out writing for Fangoria. And um, it's one that I had never heard of, never seen. And then after he was like, you need to watch this movie. I just completely fell in love with it. And that is Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster from 1959. I only saw that last year uh, or even this really? year. Yeah, it's the one Mario, it's the Bava one. that I, Bava, it's Mario it's Bava. It's really cool. I was really right? into it. Yeah. So the plot, and honestly, um, the plot, I can't. You don't have tell you that much. Either. It is there is like a blobby tentacle monster that is somehow related to a Mayan temple that has disappeared. In I Mexico. think the de- temples disappeared. The temples disappeared. There's this blobby giant monster, and also there's a comet yeah. all at the same time. Are they related? I don't know, but we got giant blobby tentacle monster. Um, so Mario Bava came on. They wanted him to direct, but there was something that happened. He ended up being the cinematographer, but supposedly he took over most of the direct as well and um if you've ever been watching bava and say i would love to see you do godzilla sir here's your chance or the blob yeah there's a scene that's just like the blob it feels like the blob yeah yeah this it definitely has a very very strong like blobby vibe um and it's just basic monster on the loose except in addition to the blob this monster oozes so there's like a lot of oozing in this one um it doesn't feel like a lot of other 1959 movies like it definitely has a different feel to it and so i've always been kind of um enamored with this one it just it's it's kind of a wild production yeah and it has a great like aztec underground sequence where they it's Mm -hmm. all about these scientists 
Ghost Tour have been looking for like the lost temple and then they find it. And once they go in there, they realize this thing gets out. Cause I only saw this recently cause I was doing directors, films by famous directors I hadn't seen yet. And that was one of the few Babas. Yeah. Uh, it's funny cause everything you did to describe before you said the title, I totally thought you were about to say what I, my first one is also an old one and it could e- equally apply. And this is from 1959, uh, the monster from Piedras Blancas. Uh, oh, I've heard you talk about this. Yeah, I've never seen I it. I had never seen it. And I went to one of those all-nighters a few years ago now, maybe even seven years ago, uh, that Phil Blankenship, I believe, programmed at maybe even Cinefamily. And in the middle of the night, or New Bev, and then in the middle of the night, they always play a uni- like a black and white monster movie. And this, I'd never even heard of it. And the creature was awesome. It's really low budget and an indie. And what's cool is as, is as an indie film, it's actually, you see the shots and you're like, Oh, they're using this take for both coverage. And it, you kind of feel the indie vibe to it. But the creature looks like a snarling pig faced version of the creature from the black lagoon. Uh, I wrote down, it looks like the pig guard from return of the Jedi mixed with the mask from Onibaba. And then oh, I was yeah, like, I, and then I was thinking about saying that on air and going, well, I'm not going to be the person who actually knows the name of the pig guard and return of the Jedi. That would be shameful if you actually knew what they were called. So I did look it up. It's a gamma <laughs> So I somebody out there knows that. Oh, I know. My son could have told He probably does, that. but I would be ashamed yeah. if I had ever known the name. I Even as a kid, I called it pig guard. Uh, anyway, uh, but he- Why would you be ashamed? Because you can tell me who was, you know, the fifth, you know, yeah, but that's, so-and-so I, on this movie from I feel from good about my nerddom. I didn't want more Star Wars nerddom. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, but it is, it's a really interesting, like it has kind of tusks and a pig nose and it's, but it looks very much like the creature. It is a creature. It kind of like, uh, it's kind of a nice segue after Lake Placid because in Lake Placid, you kind of come to realize Betty White is the reason this thing is growing because she keeps feeding it cows. And in this, there's a, it's all set around a lighthouse. It's a real place. I actually visited a couple years after just randomly Pietras Blancas. It is basically a you, small town. You did a set visit. Uh, oh, like, I, no, I, like I, I was a, just driving down and I saw a tour where you like specifically went to the set. Well, I saw that there was a lighthouse. There, there was a lighthouse and it said Pietras Blancas. I was like, stop the car. And I, and I walked out and, and took, took a look. Did you tell your kids all about the movie and make I, them I made them walk home home because they didn't feel the way i did uh they're too busy watching return of the jedi and the pig guard um and only baba of course um anyway so this is a light it's a lighthouse owner and he's been feeding this thing and it's uh, of course in a tiny seaside town so it would also be a seaside horror which we love talking about and eventually it's out it's hunger outgrows and suddenly it starts lopping off heads and that's one of the other cool things about it it's like kind of a gnarly some gnarly death scenes super indie the way it's put together like i said uh and it's just one of those movies that you're like actually this is really fun so i'd say put it on your list for like when halloween rolls around you're like i I want one classic you know black and white old creature feature this one will probably surprise some people it's short sweet uh and the creature i think looks really cool well it's not streaming on amazon that doesn't mean it's not someplace else but there is a blu-ray of it that uh, it's not rare but it might not be streaming yeah yeah, I may have to pick that up. Yeah, and it's rubber suit character, and I love that. I, I'll never outgrow a good rubber suit monster, uh, and this is a really neat one. So, monster from Piedras Blancas. Okay, I'm going to go to one that I don't know if it's technically a deep cut, but um, I, I will love this movie till the day I die. And that is Cue the Winged Serpent. Oh, yeah. a great 
from 1982, directed by Larry Cohen. Um, I don't know if the creature's amazing. It's very kind of Ray Harryhausen, like claymation technology for this creature. It looks like a giant flying dinosaur. It's got eggs. It's living in uh, the attic of the Natural History Museum no, in DC. In- it ends up in No, the, that's at the end. Oh, it's in the- that, um, Which tower is it? Um, it's not the- it's not is it empire state no it's not empire state it's the other one that's about the same size it's not the twin towers it's the something tower like the, it's i want to say sears tower chrysler, chrysler, it's a chrysler building. okay yeah, it's a chrysler, yeah. Yeah. um and so it's this you know it's set up its nest here um i remember it does relocate to the natural history museum at the end of the movie um but it is just this giant dinosaur it is quizacoxel um who is some type of ancient god who has come back to pick off bikini clad women off uh new york city rooftops and oh yeah michael moriarty is there as a piano playing kind of confused, lovable schlub um, who's going from job to job while also trying to fight this giant dinosaur. And if that's not enough, you've got Shaft and David Carradine. So Kung Fu and Shaft also trying to, with machine guns going up the Chrysler building. It's, It's a cool movie and the creature, I think it's the last movie I feel like we'll ever get like that where it's because the creature is being treated completely fake right completely yes. with claymation and stuff like that they don't even try no and that but they're saying really charming now to get mm-hmm. one movie like that in the 80s and that's pretty much done so plus it feels and this it's like um i always talk about character actors who feel like they're in a completely different movie than the one that they're in like i think you know jim carrey used to do that like it didn't matter whatever universe the movie was set in jim carrey is in his own nick cage does this yeah. whole thing um i think michael moriarty did it in this because most of his lines are improvised and it's like everyone is on one particular wavelength in one movie and he's in a completely different fucking movie um, but somehow makes this movie better by him being. It's his best so performance of his career. It's mm-hmm. a great. It's a, and but it feels more like he's a character in a, a neo noir that's going to be about a piano player who owes money and is going to get his hands broken. Yeah. That's the movie he should be in. But suddenly he's in. He turns a corner and there's a giant, you know, creature. And he is off the rails while everyone else in this movie is playing it dead serious, except for maybe Shaft. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's he gives just the weirdest but somehow most captivating performance ever. Yeah, Larry Cohen's the greatest. So. Uh, Okay, my number four is one that I talked about a couple times in the last couple years on here. Uh, our friend of the show, Shane Bitterling, pointed out no one had seen this movie. When when he told me about it, I was like, oh, I've seen the cover. Why would I watch this? It is so good, and it's one of the best modern creatures, period. And and I love, I could have put a lot of different Bigfoots on here, but this is Primal Rage, The Legend of Conga, a film from 2018. Uh, the director is the effects person, Patrick McGee. He recently did the effects on VHS 94, so the newest VHS film. This creature is the reason to watch it. The movie's flawed, like story-wise. Uh, it's a, a young couple are in the forest. She's just p- Pacific Northwest. She's picked up her husband or boyfriend from jail. He served one year for something light. They kind of get their car breaks down. Now they're out there. There's a bunch of kind of asshole hunters. And it gets a little, that part of the story is kind of like, okay, who cares? There's a Native American sheriff, which brings in a bit of the, oh, it's from a, from the um, the Oman. You know, they, they, they throw in some stuff that's probably a little dicey in terms of uh, folklore throughout. But what isn't dicey is when this thing that is falling, there's a creature, you know, 
killing people in the Northwest, when they reveal it, it is basically like a, I, I call it Home Alone Bigfoot, because mm-hmm. he is he is doing what, what they do in Home Alone with like a crossbow slash, you know, a bow and arrow, but he is a Bigfoot who wears like a predator, like skull mask. And his and he like owns the forest, like he knows everything, knows how to move everywhere. He is precise. He is like scary looking, but also just completely intoxicating. And in terms of effects, it's one of the best creatures post Predator. Just like I believe what I'm watching. And and again, this is a movie like still no one talks about it. It's why anytime I can throw it back on a list, I'll do it. Just because I do think it's a little surprising that this hasn't become a bit more of a cult thing. Um, like I said, some of the stories a little meandery or obvious, but. Uh, he becomes uh, puts his attention on the girl and is trying to protect her against some of these uh, other thugs in there. And it's really interesting. So this one is on Amazon Prime. I know I've turned a couple people onto it on here uh, that have mentioned they they heard us. I just want to make sure we keep plugging away at the legend of... I hate the legend of Congo part of that title. It should just be Primal mm-hmm. Rage, but, but it is basically a crazy Bigfoot movie. Um, so for my number four, I am going with attack the block. Um, just cause I feel like this is one that never gets enough love. And I'm always floored by how few of my students have seen this movie. And I keep hearing rumors that there might be a sequel. They're working on a sequel. I, I even just pulled it up. And the very first thing that came up is a sequel is in development. And that uh, article is from six years ago. So who knows? I hope to God there is. Attack the Block is from 2011, directed by Joe Cornish, and it is about um, aliens, um, but they're they're peculiar aliens. They're very creature-based aliens, these little fuzzy black things with like crazy teeth. It's basically like larger versions of critters um, attacked what is essentially a housing project in South London. It is not a very kind of, it's a crimey housing project. And um, some of the residents that previously, there's all of this tension um, between all these different residents. And then there's this gang of teenagers. And then there's like a pot dealer in the, lives in the penthouse of the housing project. Project, and they all kind of have to team up to fight the aliens because no one believes them that anything's going on. And it's all happening on Guy Fox night. Um, so then, you know, there being explosions and fires, no one's really thinking anything about that either. Um, and this movie, all of the aliens are like, it's practical effects. It's all animatronics. And it feels so good. Um, and I was always so intrigued because they, their teeth glow in the dark, but their inside of their mouths are like the darkest night ever. Um, and I was so intrigued how they did that in it. And it was, it's all puppetry. Mm. And they had like really carefully picked these colors, these color palettes to like really make it function well. Um, Cause the creatures, it is like they, if you think like Fizzgig from the original, like, um, Oh gosh, I can't even remember the name of the movie, The Little Critter Fizz Gig. Um, but yeah, it's like their jaws unhinge and it's all teeth, but they're like big. Mm. And um, it's just such cool animatronics in this movie and such good character work. So yeah, this is what got is what fun. got John Boyega the Star Wars mm-hmm. films. And some people I think when they're watching Star Wars, like, how'd this guy get this lead? It's like you know, when you watch Attack the Block, you know why, because he's so good. In that film. So good. It's a it's a really fun movie. I, I need to rewatch. I've only seen it the one time and really liked it. Oh, and Fizzgig is from Dark Crystal. Oh, He's the creature, and that's a lot of kind of how these these monsters function. Where it is like this little fuzzy 
black ball and then it opens up and it's like entire body unhinges into this giant mouth. Um, and it's so cool and, and just unlike aliens that I've ever seen before. It feels like critters, but it feels so much bigger than critters and not as silly. Like it's a comedy. It's actually got Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead plays the pot dealer. It's in a whole the, Edgar Wright crossover mm-hmm. in a lot of ways because a lot of his team yeah. are in it. Yeah. It's a lot. And it's got some Edgar Wright vibe to it. Like it feels like it's in that same level of comedy. Um, but it is played totally straight, even though the, the comedy is coming out of the situation. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, my number three is is definitely still deep cut. It shouldn't be. Um, but this was one of the most fun movies I've seen the last couple of years that I hadn't seen. And this is Eduardo Sanchez's Altered, which is another alien film. And this was like when um, our friend Dick showed it to me. I was just like, how have I not seen this movie? And it makes me realize like he's a very underrated director, I think, because of the success of Blair Witch. I feel like the shadow of that has just loomed too large for him, even though he's made like three or four really good movies. I like Lovely Molly. There's just, and they're all different, which is cool. But this is by far the best, like his best film. I like this more than Blair Witch. This is a, basically it's an alien revenge film. I mean, that's what's so cool. It's, it opens with some guys hunting something and you realize they're hunting an alien and it's really brutal and you don't understand why. And then you realize 15 years earlier, there's four friends who are all 15 years old or whatever, kids, uh, and one they were abducted and one of them was killed. And then the three of them come back and uh, two of them uh, can't get over it. And they are obsessed by trying to get revenge on these aliens. And the other one's kind of moved on and has a life. And when the movie opens, two of them have finally caught one of these aliens and is taking it to the house of the guy who's now like a family guy and doesn't really want to be pulled into this. And this alien that they catch can control your mind if you look into its eyes and so they have to cover its eyes in this cool metal thing that looks like Robocop and it's attached and it looks pretty small but underneath it's like the sleek body sharp claws crazy teeth like a big head and it even has this like transcoder thing in its intestines that is sending messages back home and that's why they realize if they kill it and they want to get revenge they just want to kill it if they kill it it could be the end of the world because it could send a message and they would all be attacked because this is like a scout alien that they got and it becomes kind of a it has the vibe of almost a home invasion movie most of it. it's like they're all stuck mostly in the house it's super intense has a again a bit of a raimi vibe in terms of camera um and it, it a bit of an evil dead vibe and it is so much fun and still so many people haven't seen this like i said i hadn't seen it till uh about you know two years ago and this is from 2006 and it and it, because it's just not that easy to find and it should have a great blu-ray it is so freaking good and the monster looks incredible once it's going for it and once he kind of gets free and starts raining havoc uh it is truly one of those movies that you'll like you would literally watch this and write to us and go oh thank you for putting me onto that because that was so much better than i thought it would be um and and some of the character stuff's great too because of course the one guy doesn't really want this in his house (laughs) he wants to just hang out with his girlfriend uh yeah altered really really nice underrated uh alien film i have not seen this one yet i think you will highly dig it i'll i'll, I'll okay. hook you up i got i got a copy well i am going to go um from two alien films back to back to um i have to confess i've been on a total like horror western binge oh. lately i watched a lot of horror westerns lately and a lot of acid westerns as well i'm just really kind of fascinated by the world it's um you know 
being trapped in an elevator in a bathroom. I'm suddenly like, ooh, outdoor yeah. space. Um, but yes, I've been watching a lot. And oh my God, I love The Burrowers. Oh, yeah. So that's where I'm heading for my number three. I'm going to 2008's The Burrowers. I don't remember what they um, look like. Like I've seen the movie and I like the movie. Oh, God, they like the awesome. Tremors or what's the... Yeah. No, there, it's got... Oh, and I actually interviewed JT Petty. I remember interviewing him at Comic-Con before this movie had ever come out. And he st- I remember him telling me on camera um it's got fuck all to do with tremors um these creatures are completely different um they kind of walk backwards think like almost like cricket legs um where their legs are kind of bent backwards and i remember being so excited years and years and years ago rob hall um rest in peace he had an effect shop almost human in eagle rock and i had gone over there for something and he had one of the burrowers like sitting on a table and i was like fuck that's the burrower in person it was so cool to see um but no just a really cool creature design but it is um a wild rest a wild west um rescue party is out to find um a group of settlers who have vanished it's very kind of aliens and it's set up where like you know we sent these settlers out and they didn't come back and we never heard from again so we're sending out this group of people to try to see what happened to them and then they get there and they find that there's like all of this weird stuff at the house um there's settlement and all of a sudden the the people who had gone out to find them start getting picked off and it goes from there the monsters are cool the setups are cool the way these monsters hunt are cool it's unlike anything that we've seen before and after and i love it because it uses the environment much like tremors does but in a completely different way um where you know it's it's using the environment so well and it really does bring in that idea of undiscovered country of like very much what it would have been like at this time where it's like frontiersmen, we are venturing into the unknown. Whole fuck, we didn't know these things were here. And so it gets bonkers. This has Clancy Brown in it. It has Jocelyn Donahue, um, who is just lovely in anything. Uh, you know, JT Petty was always one of those directors. He did a couple of films back to back. I really liked. He did Murder Party. Um, or I'm sorry, he didn't. That was just, I'm sorry, I'm looking at his That's IMDb. The Blue Room that was guy, a different... Yeah. Yeah, that was the Blue Ruin guy. He did Burrowers and he did S&M Man, which I rather enjoyed as well. And then in 2012, he did Hellbenders, which I thought was a really cool approach on um, Demon Hunters. And then I was like, I wonder what happened to him. And then looking at his um, uh, IMDb here, he started writing video games Uh and he did all of the Outlast series. He did one of the Walking Dead video games. He's done one of the Minecraft ones my kids have played. Um, So I'm sure he's doing just fine. Um, But I always did love his movies. I really liked Hellbenders. That is definitely not a monster film. It's kind of straight like Demon Hunter. Um, But that's got Clancy Brown in it as well. But it's it's another one that just did not get nearly as much attention as I think it deserved. It was a fun one. Um, But yeah, check out Burrowers. This is, if you are looking for the monster film that you have not seen before burrowers is tight no i remember really liking it as a movie i don't just don't remember the creature uh number two is one that uh me and you have uh, definitely done our best to champion over the years but i'll never get sick of it because i do i forget sometimes just because we like saying a lot doesn't mean everyone knows it and that is probably one of my favorite creature designs of all time and that is a little film called extra can't forget the extra i think that i think that backwards alien that's on the road is still one of my favorite just looking things ever in a movie because you mm-hmm. just pass it with the car lights. And you're like, what the fuck? It's like the most frightening 
creepy looking alien and then it like impregnates a woman and then the woman gives birth to a full-fledged man in one shot across a room and i still don't know what's going on through most of yeah and then there's i love it and then there's the weird thing that comes from your mouth to the to the sacks and it's just a crazy movie it's about a a kid's dad is abducted by aliens three years later he returns and and their family's moved on there's a stepdad now in the picture and he comes back with an agenda and it is creepy but the monster itself is if you haven't seen it go in blind it's definitely one of the my favorite bonkers movies that we discovered way back on killer pov but was one of those moments where you're kind of like holy shit this is a movie i'll never forget the sequels are absolute garbage uh borderline unwatchable but and totally different than this one unfortunately but this movie rules so uh extra alien all the way um, so for my number two, I thought I would get international and go to a South Korean giant fucking monster movie that I always feel not enough people have seen. It might just be because it's aquatic horror as well. Yeah. Um, but this is Sector 7. Um, so Sector 7 came out, oh gosh, did I write down the year? 2011. Yeah, it's a relatively recent one. Um, and this one, it's it's kind of the setup for every other aquatic horror where it is a team of oil rig workers who are working on one of those oil rigs that's like suspended above the ocean and um they're off the coast of um an island in south korea and they're having all of these different problems and they can't figure out what's going on and there's all this drama and then they realize that there is this new life form um that they have found that they can actually like it it burns the fluids from this life form burn for longer than oil like it they can use it as a fuel and so from then it it basically turns into a giant monster movie like the thing that they have tapped into um comes up to the surface and starts attacking the ship and it's huge and it's wild and it is heavily cg'd but god damn i love this monster in this movie so much to the point where i'm just like how did no one see this hmm. it is huge it. it is yeah no one has and it was in 3d when it was religion originally released i remember that they actually did like a 3d blu-ray release um but yeah this one it was just an absolute trip of like creature crawling up from the bottom of the ocean it's kind of across the creature itself is um kind of across between like a leviathan it's got deep rising mm. feel to it it's kind of a lovecraftian creature and it's just one that just does not get nearly enough love um so sector seven um shout factory did the or it scream Fa- no shout i it was shout i think did mm. the um the blu-ray release a number of years ago and it's definitely worth the hunt mm. okay well my number one is equally obscure, uh, f- kind of arty French film called Chid. Uh, Chid, I believe it's how you pronounce it. Oh, Chid. Chid. Did Chid. Did Chid. Did Chid. Uh, no, this is New York. Uh, okay, look, some movie monsters are better than the movie they are in. And I truly believe that we should have had 10 Chud films by now. And Chud should have been in every city. Every city should have had a Chud film. Cannibalistic, humanoid, underground dwellers. The creature itself is so fucking rad that its eyes are glowing. It's got this green. Uh, it looks like uh, I find that the um, they have goblin faces that almost look like the green goblin from Spider-Man. And the scene where one of their necks starts extending. I just think these monsters, I, the movie I'm always like, every time I go back to it, I'm like, ah, there's so many parts of it that are a little bit too straight, a little too serious. New York kind of John Hurd's a serious actor and Daniel Stern. It, it gets a little... 
okay that those parts i don't love but anytime the monsters on screen i've always felt like this is one of the truly great monsters in a movie mm-hmm. i'm a huge fan of the chud itself uh which are ultimately uh vagrants who have kind of come in touch come in contact underground uh with uh basically uh toxic waste that's being dumped and they, they've turned into these uh these chud like things and uh I, what i didn't realize is the guy who designed these his name is john caglioni jr he had done the pr- two years prior basket case and the same year as Chud. And I find this very funny when I read this, he did Amityville 3d, which is very funny because there's wow. a creature who pops out of the water. And I swear to God, it's just a Chud. Like there's a scene where something just pops out. And I was like, why is this monster in this movie? And it looks like a Chud. Now I know it probably was a Chud. It probably was, um, a Chud. but he went on to do a little film. Uh, called, do he did Heath Ledger's makeup in the Joker and Dark Knight. So that is wow. quite a nice, uh, career arc. But yeah, I just, I, I put shut at the top of this, not because this is the best movie, but, uh, and it's still a fun movie. But man, I think these creatures, I would love to see that exact design, but in a, in another version, another, you know, an updated kind of film, because the glowing eyes is just so badass. <sighs> I love Chud so much. And I remember there was um, actually, I think I can't even remember what we were doing, um, but Graham Skipper was over at my house and he was suddenly like, Hey, I see you have a a VHS copy of Chud too. Bud the Chud. Can we watch that? And whatever we put it in right then and there and tried to watch Bud the Chud. Um, It is not the same. It is a zombie film and I can't call it a good zombie. I think I've told you that that was one of my earliest horror memories was, going to a video store and somehow we rented Bud the Chud 2. We had never seen Chud and it was my least favorite movie I'd ever seen in my whole life as a kid. I think I was about 12 when I rented it. I hated it. I didn't understand it. Didn't know what I was watching. I was like, I actually have been thinking I should rewatch it now because it's been so long since I saw that film. But it, yes, it has. I don't, how is it even a sequel? Do they connect it? it I don't think it, I don't remember uh. them connecting it. Although on the cover, he is coming out of a, a pothole. So, or um, yeah, like a steward. Weird. So I feel like it is connected somehow. I do love the actor um, though. Like he's yeah. meat from Phantom of the Paradise. He's oh, he's a blast. He's an absolute blast. Garrett yeah. Graham is, but Garrett Graham is also highly comedic. And so is Bud the Chud. Yeah. Um, and it's a much different delivery, a much different tone. Yeah, and he's not an actual chud would... the way they're chuds. No, it's a zombie. Yeah. It's a straight up zombie. Um, okay, so um, I did also just look up the guy who directed Sector 7. Um, he went on to do The Tower, that South Korean movie uh, with like the high rise going up like uh, it's massive. So, um, okay, sorry, uh, throw back to that. Um, okay, so are we on to our number yeah, one? Yeah, Chud was my number one. Oh, okay. Mentions, but. So with my number one, I'm getting total deep cut. Uh, and this is one that mentioned probably back killer pov i don't think i've mentioned this in the past 10 years so i haven't seen it in the past 10 years and this is blue monkey from 1980 i was really hoping you would mention blue monkey, blue monkey and there's one other where i was like I, that's a becca choice so i'm glad blue monkey's making this because this is it's a total becca choice yeah. it's a fun movie and it does not get enough love and they did not even put a dvd out of this until a couple of yeah. years ago for the longest time i was like encouraging people to hunt down the vhs because i thought it was so cool um it is basically a detective and a doctor in a hospital ward as all these people start undergoing these weird transformations. And then they find out it's like an insect based thing. Um, And this insect is basically kind of procreating and spreading and causing these infections in people. And then it becomes a giant killer bug movie um, and goes from there. It's, and it all takes place in a hospital. And it delivers on the big scenes, like where it's flying and grabbing children. And it actually, it's got Steve Railsback from the stunt man. It's, it's a pretty crazy movie. 
I remembered seeing this when I was a kid. And then um, many years ago when we were doing Killer POV, I ordered a VHS copy of it um, off of Amazon because I was so excited to rewatch it. And this is one of those where like I, I'd rewatched it thinking, oh, it's probably not going to be as good as I remember. And it was better um, to the point where I was like, oh my God, how has no one put this out? And then for a hot minute, it got a tiny bit of attention when they did a DVD release, maybe five and I think years it was ago. a Blu-ray, but it was and very then, brief. Yeah. yeah. And it fell off the face of the earth again. But yeah, Blue Monkey from 1987, never got enough love, definitely deserves some more attention. Yeah, it deserves some love. And I'll just rattle off a couple. Uh, obviously, Possession, I Love That Creature by Carlo mm-hmm. Rimbaud. Unnameable, I almost brought up at our Lovecraft on. I, I saw that as a kid and really liked that woman. Oh, yeah. I just think it's a good design, better than the movie. Uh, one I've really liked in the last couple of years is uh, Demon Warp, which is a version of a Bigfoot mixed with an alien it's very strange but my old timer and i thought it was too obvious to put on here uh but i do forget that people haven't all been listening to the show forever but the kindred has one of my favorite oh, yeah. goopy, weird crazy is it a squid is it a giant you know it's just a bizarre uh creature but uh, there's just some more fun deep cuts and I will rattle off some of mine as well. Sweetheart from 2019, oh, yeah. which I don't think you no, ever I did. saw. No, I did. It, it was, was the like, sea creature okay. that went through the hole in the ground. Yeah, it was interesting. That's the yeah. one. Yeah, that one. It's a girl stuck on an island. It's like Castaway if there was like a sea creature yeah. that hunted on the island every night. Yeah, that was cool. Um, Blumhouse kind of, it, it did like a quick and dirty release. Yeah. And I always like that one. Plus it's a man in a monster suit, which you don't yeah. get a lot of anymore. Um, going back in time a little bit, I can't say it's a good movie, but I will watch anytime, any fucking time. 1973, sus. It's like just a whole bunch of S's yeah. about a scientist who's slowly turning his lab assistant into a snake. Nice. Hell yes, he is. It's bonkers. Um, the Cave. This one's from 2005. And yeah. I talked about this one um, recently on the show because I think it was probably like last year or maybe sometime during the pandemic. I watched The Cave and its ripoff film, The Cavern, back to back. And so I felt like I talked about it recently. Ignore The Cavern. It just, it's, it's, it's okay. It's got some moments. But The Cave, I actually really, really like. Um, Evolution. This was one I never thought got accepted by the horror space, but it's so fun. This is from 2001. Um, David Duchovny and, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the, the name of the other two Oh, is this a comedy? It, but it's a comedy, but it's horror. Yeah, it's at the same time um, where it is a um, two professors, two community college professors, and they find this alien organism that's evolving inside huh. a meteor. And it starts evolving rapidly and forming all these different creatures and taking over this town. And it is this massive, massive monster film. But because it's a comedy, it never really got embraced that much by horror. But the aliens in it are so cool. Um, on that same note of kind of like it's a comedy, but still give it some props for the monsters. Love and Monsters from 2020. Yeah, is so damn good and the monsters are so good and they look so beautiful um and that was one that i didn't see horror fans talking about and i was like seriously guys the monsters are so good and yeah that's like kind of a Um, big movie uh in some ways like big creatures big monsters big insects have grown huge and yeah yeah 
I feel like that would have been a big theatrical release had it was released during the pandemic. That was um, the year of that um, that and spontaneous by the same um, person. And I, I felt like it, Love and Monsters would have been a giant theatrical release had we actually, you know, had theaters at the time. But it was don't sleep on it. It was a great good for movie. kids too. Really like big it's monsters. a good teen age. Kind of yeah, thing. it was very much like a teen um, giant monsters. It's still scary. It still has some really good scenes in it. Um, Sputnik from 2020 was the Russian Remember film. I think it was that, yeah. like, it was like a number two or three of the year. One of the best alien movies, um, downright scary. One of the best alien movies I've seen in a long time. Um, Blood Glacier, I've mentioned on prior iterations of the show. That one's from 2013, Austrian, about melting of the polar ice caps and weird stuff starts coming out. Um, it's heavily CG'd, but it's got some fun stuff to it. And then I will end with one of my favorite throwback monster movies that didn't um, make it into the top five. The Wasp Women from, or Woman from 1959 about a beauty executive, a female executive in the 1950s for a cosmetics company who is experimenting with royal jelly and putting it on her face and eating it as a way to prolong her youth. And then boom, she turns into a giant wasp head. Nice. Um, and I like this one because it's got a lot built into the subtext that's almost a little too woke for when it's being made oh, about yeah. like women being concerned about ageism in the industry and women as executives and her feeling like because she is in charge of a company, she constantly has to maintain this image. And um, there, there's a lot of like really strong feminist vibes happening at a time when we weren't seeing a lot of really strong feminist vibes in horror films by any stretch. That's cool. Yeah, I don't know if I've seen that one. I've seen the Wasp Woman the, or the Bee That's, Girls or whatever it is, the one with the team of girls. No. I've seen that one. No, this yeah, is the Wasp yeah, yeah. Woman. What's fun is on the the poster art, this is a Corman film. Um, she has a wasp body and her face is still that of a beautiful woman, but it's actually switched in the film. Um, her body is totally fine, but she gets like a giant bee head. Oh, cool, because it was so, easier to do. Yeah. Well, if you do only one thing, uh, if you've never seen The Relic, that is my number one uh, recommendation to if you haven't seen Kithoga it. for the yes, win. It's a very fun movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, tons of tons of wrecks in there and there's you know some easy to find some hard to find but we love good creature features and hopefully you hunt. find something good yeah yeah so tonight um and this is just my lead-in for possibly deep cuts we'll see maybe i'll save it for the regular show i am watching the new pretty little liars original sin um because everybody keeps telling me that it is, is just straight up slasher mm. that it's not like the high school caddy drama that i recall from the original series is this a show or a um, movie it's a show okay. Um, it is like a new iteration of Pretty Little Liars, and everybody keeps telling me that it is a straight-up slasher, and I need to watch it. Okay. So I think I'm going to jump in and watch a couple episodes tonight. Report back soon. Yes, I'm going to watch I something. Shall. I guess I'll go track down more of that big franchise, the Tombs of the Blind Dead movies. <laughs> so Massive yes, franchise. Yes. I can't believe they haven't rebooted that. It's on T-shirts. I was going to go did see a reboot there is, for Halloween. I actually saw on Tubi when I was searching for the old ones. There's one from this year, and it looked not good. It did not look <laughs> like a big release but it is a new tombs film so uh that front by somebody but uh anyway uh yeah cool well thank you all for listening and we will be back in a couple weeks with something and we'll be back next week with some weird stuff uh, on a deep cuts
The Colors of the Dark podcast is a Fangoria production. Producers and co-hosts are Rebecca McKendry and Elric Kane. Executive producers are Tara Ainsley and Abby Gould. Associate producer is Jessica Soth of Amir. Sonic branding by Michael Rodriguez. And, of course, our amazing sound engineer, Ernie Hurtado. 